Welcome to Faith City Outreach, where your host, Marina Maria, reaches out to the world to discuss Christian topics and providing biblical solutions, as well as praying for the nations. Deuteronomy 31 verse 6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. The music in this broadcast is provided courtesy of Zapsplat.com. Now, here is your host, Marina Maria. to Faith City Outreach. This is Marina Maria with today's special guest, David Garrett from Auckland, New Zealand. Thank you, David, for being on Faith City Outreach to share your scripture in song ministry, which is 50 years strong. David, it sounds like you had a joyous and victorious ministry. I read that your scripture in song ministry is 50 years strong. And I also read on your website that you received a prophetic call from the Lord in 1963. Please share more about this. Okay. we um, Dale and I were married in 1964. Just a year or two before that, uh, we were just out uh, in some sort of farmland. And um, read. I just opened the Bible at um, Isaiah 49. And for some reason, I just felt this is, this is a chapter that's like our life's mandate. Now, I had no idea what we were going to do, no idea at all. But, but over the years since then, several of the different verses, although it was written as a prophetic verse towards the Messiah, several of the verses actually really came to me and, and, and came to us and have made a real change, a real understanding that this chapter is, in fact, something that God both has done and will do. So, yeah, that, so that chapter, I mean, I, I, could, I could point you to a couple of the things if you'd like me to. But um, sure. if, if you look at verse, um, verse, uh, verse 8 and 9, this is what um, it says, this is what Isaiah is saying. I've made you to be a covenant people to restore the land, resettle families on forgotten inheritances. You're declared prisoners. You're free. And those in the darkness step out into the light. Now, that's just one thing, and we, we had absolutely no idea what it meant. But actually, as time has gone on, and as time has gone on, and as we've traveled in different parts of the world, we've realized that God actually has given us a message and is giving us a message to see particularly indigenous people step into freedom, the freedom that God actually created them to have in the first place. So that's a little bit from that one. I know you and your wife met at a Youth for Christ um, event yes, in New Zealand. Please share more about this because I know both of you sing, and I know it's related to the ministry that the Lord has given you both. Okay, yeah. Well, um, if you know New Zealand at all, Wellington is the capital, which is right in the bottom of what they call the North Island. And Auckland, which is where I, where my wife was, is further up. It's the largest city. I lived in Wellington. But um, I came to Auckland because the company, I was in the tea business. The company I was in sent me to Auckland to manage something or other. And I went up there and I went to a Youth for Christ meeting. I was brought up in a Christian environment. Mm. And Dale was brought up in a completely heathen environment. So we were and are still very, very different people. <laughs> anyway, um, she happened to have come to God herself about a year prior to this, and I went to this meeting. My sister, one of my sisters, was with me, and I played a little bit of guitar, and she and I uh, sang at this particular meeting. And I... It's funny, really. I mean, she, she sort of denies this somewhat, but I, met, I saw her in the crowd. I mean, several hundred people. I saw her out there. And afterwards, interestingly enough, I was introduced to her because she was part of a trio, uh, a man and his wife and her and Dale. And the wife was having a baby. And so the man said to me, would you like to join our trio? I mean, it was just one of those odd things. And so I did. And after a little while, I don't know how it happened, but we just we just started singing together without the man. And, and we, we went around these sorts of Christian meetings and sang, I guess, pretty mindless songs like Give Me Oil and My Lamp Keep Me Burning or 
I've got a home in glory land. I mean, songs that no one will even know here, and they are pretty mindless. And that's the way we sort of started from a musical point of view. But then going back to Isaiah 49, when, when God gave us that chapter, was one thing I felt, because we were involved with Youth for Christ, we are involved with a couple of other ministries and singing as well, God seemed to say to us, I want you to stop what you're doing because I've got something that's more effective in the days ahead. And I'm a very pragmatic type person, and so I thought, okay, we'll stop. And we went and told the leaders of these meetings, you know, we're, we're not going to do it anymore. And they weren't near all that blessed, and Dale was extremely embarrassed. But then we got married. We went to Dunedin, which is in the far south of the South Island, because I was I had a job with a tea company down there. And we were there for three years. And, of course, no one knew us down there, so no one ever asked us to sing. And so there we were. But after those three years, we came back. I don't know if I'm going too far with this, Maria, but when we came back, something unique was happening, not only in New Zealand but in the world, which was called the charismatic move. I'd never heard of it, never knew anything about it. Someone invited us to a meeting and we heard an Englishman who lived in America called Derek Prince, and he began to talk Mm -hmm. about what the Holy Spirit was doing. And all of a sudden... It was like as if we were introduced to the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, and people began to get healed and delivered and know the gifts of the Spirit. All these sort of things started to happen. And so we were caught up in something that was so different. But right then at the same time, it was like as if God released us from that thing that said, keep your mouth shut. And even in those meetings, we were asked to come and sing, and we did then. But that wasn't really what happened. At the same time, a few little choruses were beginning to come. You see, up to then it was all hymns, some wonderful hymns, but a few choruses. The first one I remember vividly was written by an American woman, and it was just a little verse from Revelation, thou art worthy, thou art worthy, O God, to receive honour and glory and power. It was all King James English in those days, of course. And so when I heard that, I felt as if God said to me, I want people to sing to me, not just about me or about themselves, Mm -hmm. but actually to sing to me. And so we just talked about ourselves uh, together and said, why don't we actually why don't we actually sort of do a little recording of these? Because lots of people won't won't know about these meetings. They've never come to them. And, um, and so we gathered a few songs, scripture songs, just verses from the Bible put into music, simple music, memorable music, which has always been the thing we've wanted. And um, we put a little, a little, well, we called it then a 45 RPM. It's one of those really small vinyl records. And we did it in four hours. Um, Dale had a, a, a cousin who was a guitarist. He wasn't a believer. The, the, the drummer was a believer that came with us, and he had a friend who was a piano player, also not a believer. So we had those three musicians. Then we had two brothers sing with us, and in four hours we put nine songs down, which you can never do these days, and we put it out there. And for some reason, the music that we created then, which we just called Scripture and Song, we just gave it a name, you know. For some reason, it fit with what the Holy Spirit was doing generally and people began to buy them and we produced more and then it went on and on and on like that and they were sent around the world. It was quite remarkable, Marina, but it wasn't something that, I have to say, it wasn't something we promoted. I mean, I I hate to put it that way, and well, I don't hate to, but it's God actually did promote it, and it went it went everywhere. And then by the mid seventies, we began to travel and teach the songs and do that sort of thing, and so it grew. And then, of course, later later on, a lot of other companies, large companies, began to pick up the same idea, and um, and from a musical, and certainly. From a creative point of view, they did a lot better than us. But it just so happened that God seemed to choose us from New Zealand to be the first. Yes, I saw on your website you have a timeline in 
it said that in 1968, Scripture and Song was born. And I think you wrote the song, um, it mentioned, Lead the People to Me. Yes. Well, that was what that was what God seemed to say to us. He said, "Lead them to me." And well, you know, the way I received that, Marina, was the stage is purely a uh, a conduit. Well, it's not actually the place you focus on. You're focusing on God, mm-hmm. but, but, but the stage is just the vehicle to draw the people to encourage the people. So that's exactly what I did. I didn't even play guitar. I just stood up there and encourage the people. We gathered musicians around us to help us, but that wasn't, that wasn't really the point. The point was I wanted to lead the people to God. I mentioned memorable before. We, so we always look for memorable songs. And my thought was, if I teach a song, which is what we were doing, by the time I've taught it, the people will have grabbed that song as their own. And I want to see the people in the back of the room singing that song with us. And if they're not then I'd question the song. I want them to go home, and as they go home, the words of that would be still in their minds. Maybe. How would you know this? Well, only because you don't know it except that because when a thing's that simple, it's it's, when a thing's that simple and people begin to sing it over and over, my thought is, okay, when they go, they'll... And uh, my desire was and is that the Holy Spirit then would begin to bring those songs back to them. And the only thing I can say about that, Marina, is even this week I've had emails from people that say, I learned your songs 40 years ago, 50 years ago, and they're still still with me. So they were memorable, and they are, and God does use them. There's no question. I know you were brought up in a Christian family, but who impacted your relationship with the Lord as a child, David? Well, my father really, Marina, because he was a, it's a brethren family, if you know that particular denomination, um, very strong on, on the scripture. Um, but he would, uh, he had a large, we I'm part of a large family, 11 children. I was the oldest son, but he would read us and tell us stories from the Bible. And, and he introduced us to things about the scripture right from the start. So he, you know, I saw that question. I thought, yes, he is. He's the one in the things of God, even though he wouldn't have accepted some of the stuff that I did, that I accepted later. um, He was the one that influenced me a great deal. And that's interesting that now you're adding scripture in song. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Well, uh, there's something about a song, you know, that's different than just, a, I mean, you can repeat a line in a song, but if I was talking to you, repeating the same line, repeating the same line, talking, you'd think, what's wrong with this guy, you know, but in a song, you can do it easily, so. That's true. It, and people yeah. can memorize it a lot faster. Yeah. I mean, that's look it. at children, you know, you present right. a song to them and they pick it up if it's a song. I know. Then a sentence. I know. In your website, you have a quote. From distant lands, we hear singing, glory to the righteous one. Please share more about this. Yeah, well, it's just, you see, New Zealand is about as far away from Jerusalem as you can get. And so it is from distant lands. And actually, I suppose what we were doing, we're providing um, music, songs. Now, a lot of the songs that we published and and did weren't written by us at all. They were written by people that sent them to us. And we, because a lot of people recognized what we were doing early on. And also we wanted to realize that what God is doing is not confined to one way of doing things. And so we would, we would want to get songs from people of different, like Catholic denominations and other denominations that look at things somewhat differently than what we do. But we realise the body of Christ is far, far bigger than any one of us can ever be. So that's, you know, that's really the way it was. But it was certainly from a Jerusalem's point of view or Israel's point of view, distant lands, we were for sure. Mm-hmm. How is scripture and song changing the way people connect with God, David, through worship across the globe? Um, it, it, okay, my biggest, my, my biggest longing for people is that they would have a personal 
one-on-one connection with God. That's my real longing. It's not the, the worship in a way, this is the way I see it, worship sort of opens the door to the presence of God. But then, as, uh, as Jesus said to the church of Laodicea, I'm standing and I'm knocking. If you'll let me in, I'll come and we'll sit down at your table. We'll talk together. We'll eat together. The longing of my heart is that people would find a personal relationship with a God who created them and who loves them dearly. That's really what's deeply in my heart so that the songs, I would say, are a means to that end. That's the way I see it anyway. And do you believe that? Because what you just said is that you want people to believe that the Lord loves them dearly. Yes. He in your events. Us. He loves us. He, he, yeah, he did. He, he created us for friendship. He didn't create us for anything else. But the Christian church, um, through what the enemy's done, I believe, has twisted that. Mm-hmm. And, and, of course, the lie of the enemy over Adam and Eve was a question of God's integrity. But, God, that was completely a distortion uh, and a lie. Um, God's intention is that he would draw us through the cross into his heart. That's really mm-hmm. his intention. And so that's the thing that's the motivation behind what we've done and what we will do. Now, has scripture and song changed over the years, or are you still doing the same thing that you've um, been doing? Okay. Yes, to some extent. I think in the early days, um, it was all verses from the Bible, pretty much. Um, then in the 90s, we did 40 songs that we put a Bible reference in. But in between those times, if, if a song contained something we believe was a biblical expression, we would put that song out, absolutely. Um, so, so it became more than just entirely the scripture into song, even though a lot of it was. Your recent song, We Will Prevail, is a new lyric video for your new song, We Will Prevail, an anthem of hope, courage, and love for the people. And it's the love of people love, I can't pronounce the name. Can you pronounce it? Christchurch, just say Christchurch. Christchurch in New Zealand. Did God share the purpose for this? Well, you know... I'd like you to talk to my wife, Dale, sometime because that was her vision, that particular one. We were in Sydney in Australia and um, we knew we were going to Christchurch and she just felt she wanted to write a song because that particular city in our South Island has had earthquakes, it's had fires, um, it had a shooting in a mosque a few years ago. It's, it's, It's a city that's had a lot of devastation i suppose Mm -hmm. and if you see it on the website under we will prevail if you see it there you'll see little snippets of what happened down there and but it was a song of hope actually as well so when we went to christchurch we had the people that sing it on the uh, on the particular tape on the recording they sang it to the people and it really moved them because um they were thinking that the city up north which is the big city um, has come down to give us something, to give us hope. And uh, a lot of people were really moved by that. So, no, it, it, see, we, we started another publishing company called New Sound Publishing, and, and we put that particular song under New Sound, which is what we're doing a lot of now as well. So it's a sort of a, it's a, it's an addition, what's a separate thing from what we were doing with scripture and song, although the motivation from our point of view is still very much the same. Yeah. This is Marina Maria from Faith City Outreach with today's special guest, David Garrett from Auckland, New Zealand. He is sharing his unique ministry called Scripture in Song, which is 50 years strong. David, I know you sent me a video with you and Brad and you're leading a group of people in a chant, but it's not the typical chant that people 
are normally uh, accustomed to hearing, you know, even the word chant. um, Sometimes with Christians, they'll hear that word and they're like, okay, well, that's demonic. That's right. Or something. (laughs) Right. But this is something unique that happened in this video. Queen, I used to live with, she was probably the greatest Maori language speaker in the last 60 years. And she said publicly on TV before she passed away, uh, the only way that our language will survive is if the Pākehā learned to speak it. So, uh, so the basis says, So that just means, means Jesus. If you're a Catholic, it's you. Uh, and Karaiti is Christ. Uh, I've got a personal name for Christ. It means it's called Narangi or Nehera, which means the Ancient of Days. So uh, that's a whole different word. Okay. Can we Karaiti. Te Ariki means uh, the Almighty One. Te Ariki. Or Aotearoa of Aotearoa. Or Aotearoa. So, ko i hukaraiti. Te ariki. Or Aotearoa. Okay, so David, why are we doing this? We're doing this because we're making a statement of truth. We're making a statement of truth that we can take now because in my opinion, there's great power in a body of people making a declaration of truth. There's something about a group of people doing it together that's quite different than you doing it individually. And one of the reasons for this is for the people, because what happens when you declare truth like this, faith begins to rise in you. And the faith of one excites the faith of another. And after a time, the faith in that room is something because God responds to faith. There's something that happens in there that, that brings this truth into the atmosphere. And so this is the sort of thing, this is the sort of statement I think we need to learn to make in the atmosphere. And as we go out, and there are other statements that we will... I'm going to talk to Brad, but this was about the simplest one, because we can learn quickly and do it. But the reason I want to do it rhythmically is because rhythm helps memorability. Okay? Come on. 
Can you share more about it? Because you and this other leader um, also uh, work together in guiding this group of people in this uh, chat. Let me let me say this. I believe. Uh, well, okay. Let me start again. Native people, Indigenous people, have got a real affinity with land. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do too. I, I really feel that there is life in the land, and the land responds mm-hmm. to us. We're, I could go into that further, but I, I won't just now. But all to, all is to say that I said to Brad, "Look, I want to." I want to write a statement, just a simple statement, Jesus Christ is Lord over Aotearoa. Aotearoa, by the way, is just the new, the Maori name for New Zealand. That's, so I said just a short statement like that. Um, and so he put the words together. And then we had an opportunity to go to a church, and that in the church were largely white people. And we do, wanted to try something out. And that what we wanted to do was to teach them this chant because we believe that, especially in the open air, we've got the prince of the power of the air. We want him to hear the truth. Jesus Christ is Lord over this land. But we've also got the land itself. And I found on several occasions really feeling that the land responds to God in the truth, but especially in the native language especially in the... So that was my motivation. So we went there. But the interesting thing, Marina, about that particular time was this, that we taught, and you'll, you'll see in the video, we taught the song. The Brad gave the meaning of the words. And then, quite spontaneously, a group of young Maori people that were in the room got up on the stage and they took the song and created something spontaneously out of it which related to their own culture. So they did a dance and they got the people in the room to move with them. And these are all, not all, but a lot of them were white people that would never have done anything like this before. But the people got involved. But because it was spontaneous, it was something that I saw a culture that was our culture and our land being able to be used in a way that really was, it was them. And so you'll see in the in the in the little video, you'll see what we call a haka. A haka is just a dance. It's a dance in Maori. If any of you have ever seen rugby football, the 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 All Blacks, which is our team, they do a haka before they play. But this is a haka that was done spontaneously with the words of the song. And I think that really meant something to me because I saw something that was not planned, wasn't organised, but it took. It took the culture of the land to another place that it hadn't been before. I hope that's enough of an explanation, Marina. Well, not only did it mean something to you, but it meant something to them because they transformed it in a way, in a meaning that they know culturally speaking. Yeah. But they used the same words that you that you gave them, you know, and that they, was... They made it into something I never could have done, you see. That's the interesting thing. Mm-hmm. But, but they were released by the way we approached them. They were released to just be themselves, and it was wonderful that they were. Yeah. And I like the words of the chant, Jesus Christ is Lord over Aotearoa, right? Aotearoa, yes, that's right. That's beautiful. Now, you mentioned something that, especially for Native Americans, we know that they're very close to their lands, and it's more meaningful to them. Why would it be even more meaningful to say those words over their land? I I think that there's something about declaring truth over the land in the language of the land. I was in a Another situation, briefly, where there was a young woman, young Maori woman with us, blessing land, and she was singing songs in English. As soon as she began, she was Maori. As soon as she began to sing in Maori, the atmosphere changed. It was like as if the land was able to join us with that, if you can understand what Mm -hmm. I'm saying. Mm -hmm. 
We were in a event recently and a, a Maori woman was singing a chant. My woman, my, I'm sorry, my wife was looking out the window over her shoulder and the trees actually moved to the rhythm of her song. That was just in, la- in the language. You see, these wow. sort of things that we've never considered before actually happen. And I think the thing I'd like to say is it is the time for Indigenous people to stand up, be themselves, and declare the greatness of their creator and his love for all humanity, especially, well, not especially, but including for them and their culture. Why do you say it is the time? Well, I just see... I'm just curious. Yeah, okay, in 1987... God told me that I needed to learn about the Maori people. We'd done a whole bunch of albums by then. We'd done music books. We'd done, it was all, it was never even thought about the possibility that I might need to learn about Maoridom. But I went, I I took an Maori elder. I said, yeah, God's told me I need to learn about your culture. He took me to some of their villages, which are called Marae. He took me there and God said one word to me and the word was listen. You see, the, one of the problems with us as white people, especially I'm partly English, is that we like to be in control of the situation. We like to understand everything that's going on. We don't really like to listen. We're not good listeners. But when you start to listen and get the heart of a person that's talking, then you start to understand that there's so much more understanding you need to have that you've never had before purely by listening. Do you think there's been a spiritual shift on earth where now God is making a huge way to honor the voices and songs and praise of the indigenous people? Yeah, I, I really do. And that's the, that's the exciting thing. And that's a thing that we're encouraging, but it's a thing that a lot of other people in this land are learning what they call te reo Māori, the language of Māori. And they will be those that encourage what, what we're seeing. And so I think in our country and the world that Indigenous people are going to be the ones that share the gospel, but it won't be shared in a European way. It'll be shared in, a, in their own way. And God will release something. If we can imagine the treasure that God has put within All of humanity around the earth has been largely shut down because of the way the gospel's been spread. Mm -hmm. I think that's going to change, and that really does excite me to see that potentially going to change. I'm excited with you, David. Thank you. I would like to go back in 1993 when you celebrated your 25th anniversary scripture and song celebration and this was on october 1st which was held at the asb arena in auckland new zealand thousands of people from across the globe gathered to celebrate and you gave glory to god for this beautiful worship movement you mentioned that around this time the lord spoke very clearly to you and your wife and showed you more of his heart for indigenous people in their cultural worship expressions. What was the reaction from this celebration? And did the celebration create an awareness and more of an appreciation for Indigenous peoples? Yeah. I went, let me just say this, I went around our city for months beforehand and I'd visited every church I could find for whom English was not their first language. And I tell them, we're going to have this event. We want you to come to bring your clothing, to bring your dances, your shouts, your instruments. We want to demonstrate something more of what God is wanting to do. Now, that's, see, that's 93. That's over 25 years ago. Yes. And it was amazing that people came. Now, the reaction you've asked me, well, I remember one... <laughs> One guy said to us, scripture and songs been hijacked <laughs> because it was so different for him. And I, I really don't know. I can't say definitively I know. I'm sure there were many different reactions, but the local Christian radio station, which was right through our country, played the entire four-day week, uh, time, the whole thing. And so in a way, it was like a glimpse of what God was wanting to do. 
And now I think we're getting so much closer, Marina, to, to the time when God is going to be doing a lot of that stuff. And we're going to see it not as an additive, not as like, okay, you can come and do your little bit for us. You know, you can come and, and do your dance or sing your song, but we'll go on with our service. Now I think it's going to be far more central than that. And we're going to have people come and share their hearts in a way that truly is a representation of who they really are. And that's an exciting thing for me. It is. David, so when people go out and share the gospel to Native lands or to the Indigenous people, would you recommend that worship and praise be done in their own Native language or Native style? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, do you think the impact uh, is going to be a lot stronger? Oh, much more because you see, because Christianity is seen as a European religion rather than a message of God to humanity, because it's seen that way, um, people just expect. And even in, in countries like Korea, for instance, South Korea, which has got such a lot of churches um, and so many Christians, but it's based so much on Western models that when I was asked to go there and teach them how to worship with their traditional instruments, and I did, it, it was just amazing. But I noticed something. I noticed that the new instruments like the piano, bass, drum, synthesizer, all that sort of stuff, and the traditional instruments were able to be played together. So I, I'm not actually saying dispense with that there's something else happening. But learn to be able to, in humility, join together to give what God has actually put in your heart so that we don't feel we have to submit ourselves to others, but we have to show the breadth of what God's done. So it's not, you know, I when I saw that, I thought, because initially I thought, oh, we have to do away with all these instruments that we introduced in 68. But no, I don't feel that way now. I feel we just have to be prepared to say, okay, we need to hear from everyone and we need to hear in humility. I think the challenge in the days ahead is going to be that we all act in humility. We all recognise that whatever God's given us is only ever a part of his word of what he wants to see. It's only ever a part. What God's given me is a part of something that others will add and add and add to because the body of Christ, as Paul talks about in Corinthians, is not just the eye and the ear. It's a whole body together. And, and you know, I mean, that, that picture of the human body is like the body of Christ and it's diverse and that's the way God wants it to be. He's looking for diversity. Um, rather, he's looking for unity within diversity. I'm convinced of that. Now, some Christians believe that if you focus so much on culture, then you begin to compromise the word of God when you go witnessing to the native lands or in the natives. Yeah, I, I suppose they can. And, oh, I... I think, okay, I'll tell you one time I was asking God, I'm, I seem to be going on this indigenous call. There's a lot of stuff that they do that I can see there's a demonic or potential demonic element in that. What am I going to do? And I really felt, I saw a picture in my mind of me walking on um, like the ridge of a hill and both sides were steep. And I felt God say to me, you can stay on the side of comfort and not challenge anything, or you can go in the side where these people are. But the th one thing you have to understand is this. The absolutes are the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. The fact he died and he, the fact of his, his death has got such huge meaning for the new covenant we're in but also the fact he rose again. And if I can hold those things really strongly with me and never deviate from them, I felt he say to me, you won't go wrong. You won't get into deception. So that was very simple. <laughs> what is still needed to spread and continue to acknowledge the worship of Indigenous people? 
Now, just ask the question again. I didn't quite pick the first word. What is still needed to spread oh, and continue to acknowledge the worship and praise and, uh, of the Indigenous people? Okay. I think because as, 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 God, as Jesus said to the woman of the world, God is spirit. And Indigenous people are far more closely aligned to the spirit and the spiritual than the natural. Um, so I think really for that, for, for, for it to happen, to, to continue to grow, we need to be able to see Indigenous people not just perform their dances and things, but in the spirit give honour to the living God, the creator, through what they do. And as one does, see, I took a group of Maori young men to North America to, to, a, to a, a group of Native American people in about 1994. I took them there and we just sat around in a room and the three young Maori men with me, they stood up at one stage and they did a haka, they did a dance. Mm-hmm. And the Native Americans, when they saw the dance, they saw another group of Indigenous people doing something that was different than what they were doing, but it was their own thing and it changed them. And the leader of that group from that point on began to get a group together and demonstrate what God had given them. And he did that for several years. And I think really, in a way, what they need to see is their own people or people like them doing something which is free and which is God-glorifying and God-honouring and, and Jesus announcing, shall I say, once they can see that, I think it's going to release a lot more. So the demonstration, in a way, has to come, I would say, not from the white people so much as from the Native people, but the white people's involvement has to be in humility to release them. And that's what God's given me to do, is just to say, go ahead and be yourselves. And uh, it's amazing what's bottled up, ready to go, you know, it's there. And, and I think in these days we're going to see a lot more of it begin to happen and God will be honoured in the midst of all the stuff that's going on in the world in these days. I don't know if that answers you, but I think it has to be demonstrated by Native people. Yes, yeah, so respect and acceptance is key here and i yeah. think that's related to the humility that you're talking about yeah. that we need to have humility yeah. towards them respect yeah. them and accept them for who they are yeah. and for how god made them to be yeah that's right why is this so important david to reach the unreached people like the why indigenous people okay well because they're humans the human beings, God, when God breathed into the nostrils of Adam, he breathed his life into mankind. And his life is in all mankind. It's waiting to be ignited. God's love for humanity is enormous. It's overwhelming. So it's not just a matter of getting them to understand another, a religion or something, nothing to do with that. The message that God wants to spread is a message to all humanity. And so I, I suppose in the way that whatever I'm doing or we're doing, part of that is just to say, okay, we will do what we can, as limited as it is, to encourage this to happen and encourage all people to be released to God, the creator. David, do you think the Christian native people feel as if God has forgotten them? I think a lot of them do because the the church has forgotten them. The church has disregarded the fact that when they came to their land, their original land, the spirit of God planted within them what to eat, what to grow, all sorts of ways to live. He put it there with them. But the non-Indigenous people have brought their own thing. I mean, Oh, it's a it's a it's a long story, but 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 yes, they they feel okay. They feel God has forgotten them because they see that the church has disregarded them, and not only the church, but the the 
the society in which they're in. I mean, I'm thinking of Aboriginal people in Australia who have got such huge understanding of the way to treat their land. It's an unusual land, very unusual land. But they knew God showed them what to plant in the land. Mm. They, he showed them how to burn uh, every now and again fire in the land so that the seeds would grow again. Lots of things. How to uh, all sorts of things he he taught them, which the European people have regard have disregarded because they didn't think they had anything. They thought they were just nomads wandering around. They didn't realize that wasn't the truth at all. So, yeah, God is if, okay. If we see God as being what the church has demonstrated God to be in many cases, I could say yes. God has forgotten them, but that's not God. That isn't mm-hmm. God. Exactly. <laughs> so true. Yeah. You have a film called Let My People Go, yeah. and that was filmed from 1998 through 1999 in New Zealand. I know it's been a while. Excuse me. I know it's been a while, and it was released in 2000 in response to this indigenous call. What has been your the reaction from the public about this film, even though it's older? It's an older film. When we when we did it, some uh, a business friend of mine has said to me, uh, "Who are you doing this for?" And I knew we were doing it for Indigenous people, and we were doing it to give them hope. And so it was for that purpose, because if you, when you look at it, it's 40 minutes long, but if you look at it, um, you'll see all sorts of demonstrations, uh, a little bit of teaching, but a lot of demonstration of Indigenous people playing, dancing, demonstrating their own stuff in a free way, just to show, and, and, I know on the on the actual cover of the DVD, which you, you won't have, there's lots of comments by Indigenous people from all around just saying, this has given me hope, really. So that's what we wanted to do. So it wasn't really so much of a DVD for the white people. Um, it was really for, it was, it was really also demonstrating the journey that we had been on over the, over the past number of years. I know you have a wide collection of songs over these 50 years, David. Where can people find your songs? <laughs> well, if they go to our website, which is scriptureandsong.com or scriptureandsong.org, they can, they can find there. And then we're, we're also putting a lot of stuff up on YouTube as well. And those two things, we're actually working on this now, but those two things will be combined. They'll be, they'll be, all sorts of stuff there. But if you go to the website first, um, that's at least going to give you an entrance into how to get stuff from us. David, what is God sharing with you and your wife right now to do next? Oh, it's so exciting, Rena. Do you really want me to tell you? Absolutely. You have a ministry that has been 50 years strong. Why would I not want to know? I'm so excited. I know this next phase in your lives is going to be just as victorious and just as exciting. It is. Thank you for saying that. I believe you're right. Okay. I told you we went to Christchurch and and, and did Mm -hmm. did the song. You remember I mentioned that? Yes. When we'd finished in Christchurch, I said to Dale, my wife, um, I believe God's told me that we're to start again. And I thought, you know, at 80 years old, are you serious? You're going to start again. But then Moses started at 80. So I thought, okay, yeah, that's that's fair enough. Okay. <laughs> but then almost immediately I heard Kanye West. He did an album called Jesus is King. And he's one of the top hip-hop artists in the world today. Yes. And I listened to him and I listened to interviews and I thought, okay, we're going to do new genres of music as well. 
I want to do some reggae and hip hop and rap and all that sort of stuff as well. Not only that, because we're doing other stuff right now. Uh, There's a friend of ours who I'd love you to interview called Richard Brunton. He's written some books on blessing, very simple little books on blessing. We're writing songs to go alongside his teaching as well. So there's a lot of stuff going on, but the, the, the fact of being able to write material in the genres that are popular in the world today is very exciting to me. And I think it's going to be interesting. So maybe in a year or two, we can talk again and just see what we've got. We can show you. Absolutely. And what I'm sensing in the spirit, David, is that you're going to be reaching out to the youth of this next generation. Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, it's the youth really, particularly Dale has started to started to work on songs for the, the youth because she feels the youth are being fed so much that's demonic in these days, mm-hmm. all sorts of stuff in the schools and so on. So she wants to be able to write stuff. And we've got a friend of ours who's Mari, um, and he plays wind instruments and he also has got a degree in guitar. And he's got a couple of daughters that are nine years old, twins, and these girls have got beautiful voices and they will be singing songs of truth in the genres of their generation. And that's exciting. That is exciting. And music is so powerful to the youth. I mean, that is one of the areas, one of the key areas, music, entertainment, that reaches them. Exactly. Exactly. So we want to use the medium they did. I talked to a couple of guys that are involved in beats for hip hop. And what they said to me is these kids, these young children, will listen to the will listen to the hip hop or the beat because they like the beat. And if you put truth rather than the rubbish that's in so much of them, then eventually the truth that you put into that beat will get into their hearts. And that really has stuck with me. I thought, yes, that's what we need to do. So that's one of the things. Absolutely. Now, will you still be doing uh, scripture and song for the Indigenous people and also working with them? Yes, we'll still. Well, let me put it this way. I, I have a conversations backwards and forwards with God most days, and I type up my conversation. And I know that he'll continue to talk to me and tell me what and when. Um, so, yeah, I think so. But but in these days, it's almost like, <clears throat> you know the way um, Paul spoke to the Galatian church? He said, you began in the spirit, but now you've gone on and done your own thing. And I think God longs to be able to teach us step by step what he has for us in the future. And so... I'm expecting that to happen. I'm expecting him to give more people around us to help us to do these sort of things, which has never happened before. I'm expecting to be able to get the finance to be able to do it. So that it's just one of those things that if God gives us a vision Mm -hmm. and then he says, now's the time. Because I'll tell you what, one of the things, in 2007, we did an album which we called Coming Home. Um, I was, I was, we were doing it in this, in this large building, which was a converted wool shed. Now you won't know what a wool shed is. It's a place where the sheep come in to get sheared. Okay. And it had been converted by my brother into a different situation. We had about 20 young people down there and I stood in the middle of the room and I heard a voice, not audibly, people have been deceived from the beginning as to my true heart for them, I want you to tell them what I'm really like. And I thought, wow, I know about the deception from the beginning, but what am I going to say? Well, let me tell you this. Just a month or two ago, I felt God say to me, David, I want you to tell the people what I'm really like. And so I've started to put together things now to tell the story of God's heart for humanity. Give us two sentences of that so that the uh, listeners can hear. Okay. First of all, I mentioned before, God breathed into the first man life. He breathed life. Everything else he created was by a spoken word. 
when he created mankind, he created him by his breath. Okay, so that is it. So there's something very, very special about humanity. But if you go right through the scripture, you go through to Moses, you go through to the Passover, and then you go right up to the last Passover that Jesus had. And we've been taking communion as a family for months now, every day. And God has opened up to us the wonder of what the new covenant is about, that God is no longer distant, but he's there. And when the temple curtain was torn from top to bottom, a, a, a temple, a, a curtain that was probably four inches thick was torn from top to bottom. It was like as if God exposed himself because of the cross. He exposed himself so that we could actually come into his heart. I want to tell all of that story so that people, it doesn't matter who they are, people that have got ears to hear will hear that God created us because he loves us.
been listening to Faith City Outreach with Marina Maria as she interviews Christian pastors and leaders to discuss scriptures and topics affecting the Christian community and to pray for the nations. If you need to contact Marina Maria, please email her at fcoprogram at gmail.com. That email again is fcoprogram at gmail.com. Until next time, Marina wants to remind you from Matthew 6, 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The music used in this broadcast is used courtesy of zapswat.com.